Welcome to ISA's Arborviews podcast, the series bringing you conversations with researchers and tree care experts about current issues in arboriculture. I'm Bob Polumsky, your host on this episode of Arborviews. Mark Mann graduated from Purdue University in 1985 with a Bachelor of Science in Forest Management and has over 20 years of experience of right-of-way management. He's the CEO founder of Plant Growth Management Systems, a company that has pioneered the use of tree growth regulators since 1999. Hello, Mark. Thank you so much for joining us today on Arborview. It's good to be with you. Well, Mark, let's start right at the top. Define for us a tree growth regulator. What is it? Tree growth regulator uh, is nothing more than a product that inhibits the production of gibberellin in a tree. So in every growth process, in every green plant, it's the exact same growth process, whether it's a blade of grass or it's a giant sequoia. And, and at that one juncture when gibberellin is being produced normally, we actually inhibit how much of that can be produced. That's why the rates of application are important. But that's all it is. It's as simple as that. And so here we're looking at a natural plant hormone, gibberellin, yep. and with our growth regulators, we're managing that. Now, with regard to the tree industry, what, what growth regulators are available? At the present time, uh, of all the triazoles that are out there, and the triazoles are the group of uh, family of growth regulators that we're talking about, there are only two that are being used right now, uh, paclobutrazole and fluoroprimidol. Um, both of them are very good growth regulators. Uh, it just so happens that paclobutrazole has a little bit longer lasting control in the plant, but both perform the same function in the plant, so those are the two basics. And of all the, of those two, I think there are probably only at this point five total different uh, trade names that are out there that actually use those molecules. And so when we look at tree growth regulators, we're actually looking at tools that are available to arborists. Exactly. So, so tell us, uh, how does an arborist go about selecting these tools? How would you use these tree growth regulators? Well, it depends on, on the situation you're in, but you're exactly right. It is just a tool. The, the neat thing about it is that it is, we found that it's able to actually keep trees out of some of the severe uh, issues that we have in the urban environment. Drought stress, poor soils, poor root conditions. So a simple fact of the matter is that you can use this, this product when you're dealing with tree health in tough situations. That's one option. You can use it when you have somebody who's uh, trying to avoid pruning a tree as often as they normally would have, which could be a utility side. But it also could be uh, a university on trees that are up against the side of a window or in, in, a, in a critical area. Uh, there's actually a, an awful lot of reasons why you could use this, and it really is up to the arborist to determine what situation best fits the use of the product. Now, Mark, uh, you've been doing this for uh, more than 20 years, working mm -hmm. with these tree growth regulators, and over time there have been some situations that have arisen in the use of uh, paclobutrazole, and some myths also have become generated as a part of uh, some of the situations that had arisen. Would you mind just talking briefly about these myths, and can you dispel them for us? Uh, yeah, but there's a, more than a handful, and I'll, I'll pick a few of the majors, uh, and they're a little bit frustrating. Um, but one of the myths that, that keeps reoccurring over and over again is that when you, when you treat a plant with, or a tree or a plant with paclobutazole, growth regulator, you, you may not see control for a full year afterwards. Well, that, that's just factually in, in, incorrect. Growth control will start to occur during the growing seasons within the first 30 to 35, at the latest, 40 days on any plant or tree that you're treating. Now, what I'm finding is the reason that myth keeps recirculating is that people are inaccurately doing applications. And this is very important. 
because when when we when this product was designed, it was designed to mix one part product, pure product, to eleven parts water, for a, a twelve part total. So what what unfortunately what happens is harvests are looking at this and thinking, you know what? If I know that I have to put X amount of product on the tree, I'll just create this trench. I'll pour my product straight in the trench, and then I'll put just enough water in there to make it look like it's dissolving. Well, that's fine. It will it will control that tree, but if there's not enough water to get that active in there, it will literally sit there until rainfall gets it active. So that's one method that is that is very frustrating. Well, you made uh, an excellent point about following label directions, and mm -hmm. it's not only for tree growth regulators, but any product. Follow the label, and, and by uh, applying the appropriate amount of product that has been researched, you will get the results that you would expect. That's correct. So it's, it's the same old, same old story back to uh, good stewardship of, of the products you're using. But uh, back back to the myths again, as I'm one of the things, I guess, one of the majors that uh, is very bothersome, particularly in the utility industry, but it's very important for the arborist industry also, and in that there are myths or rumors floating around out there that seem to be growing, and that you can treat a tree or trim a tree after it's been treated for as much as six months to a year after treatment. Oh, this is just totally incorrect. And th the reason for this is that it is possible literally to trim the product right out of the tree or the plant. So for example, you treat a, year, or a plant at the beginning of the growing season, let's just say you treat it in April, all right? By, by the end of May or the first part of June, there's enough product that's moved up through that plant through transpirational pull and accumulated the marrow stems to start controlling growth. Now, if sometime in June or July, you say, I think we should go back and retrim that tree for whatever reason, and you go back and trim the tree. What you're doing literally is cutting that product right out of the tree because anything that accumulated at that marrow stem now is gone. Now, it's true that we have a reservoir in the tree itself, which is very good, but the problem is in the inappropriate time of trimming, we can actually get more regrowth, so much regrowth so fast that we actually outgrow the tree's ability to get new product to the meristems. So you may get, for example, on a silver maple, even in this area of the country, you know, it, an inappropriate trim, a topping or whatever, uh, it shouldn't do that, but a topping, you can actually get that four to six to seven feet of regrowth in one year, even though the tree is treated, because you trim the product out of the tree. Now, granted, at the end of that year, by the time that tree starts shutting down, it will start capturing growth again for the following year. But you will lose your control of growth that year. So it is that is, it is not true. That's a myth that keeps circulating and, and it should be addressed. Well, when we talked about myths, but how about some of the risks? Can you tell us what risks may be associated with using tree growth, growth regulators? You know, when I first started working with this molecule, uh, one of the things that I wanted to find out was what are the things that could go wrong? Um, everything from what would happen with a higher cation capacity in the soil, with higher organic matter, you know, what, what could go wrong? And it's been 25 years now, and I can tell you there are two major things, and that's about it, which is a wonderful thing, which tells you how good the product is. The first is this. If, if folks or arborists are applying a product to a, um, let's pick something that is common, a red maple, and they go at a rate that is two times too high, for example, they overregulate. 
So instead of applying it one gram of active ingredient per inch, uh, or two grams of active ingredient per inch, or I'm sorry, one gram, they're applying it two. So you would think, okay, well, what's, what's that plant going to look like? Well, what's going to happen is the, the leaves on the tree are going to be smaller. In fact, they're going to be dramatically smaller, which is not what we want. Now, now, that in itself is not a problem. But what happens with maples when the crown is opened up? What happens if we get sun scald? The leaf size is so small that the tree is so barren right now, it is, now it's going to take sunlight that it's not prepared to take. And you can literally blow the bark right off the trees. I've seen it where it's been at two or three times the rate, and they've literally destroyed a tree with sun scald. That's number one. But we're going to go back. There's, I want to talk about the two, the two things because they relate to the same thing, application rates and the rates of application. The second thing is on, on trees that have um, leaves that are modi- or flowers that are modified leaves. Dogwood is a good example. Uh, dogwood is extremely uh, sensitive to paclobutrazole, but at the proper rate, it does a fantastic job. But if you, if you know by, with our rates that you should be applying 0.75 grams of active ingredient per inch, but yet you apply 2 grams, what will happen is you'll, you'll hold that, that tree for 7 to 8 years in a controlled fashion. Your leaf size will be about the size of a 50-cent of a, of a, uh, piece. Your flowers will be about the size of a nickel and you'll be able to look right through the tree. Now, of course, the same thing happens. You, you, you have an opportunity for sun scald. But both are deleterious, I and mean, both go right back again to product usage and, and having good information, proper rates, proper training, and pr- properly understanding what's going on. Well, let's uh, also talk just briefly. Uh, you talked about the impacts on the upper reaches of the tree, but how about the impact on the root system? Oh, it's does, it, does true growth regulator have an impact on roots? It's actually absolutely fantastic, and I'll make this I'll make this as short as I can. Um, but going back to the test spots uh, that were laid out in 1989 to 1990, what we found was we could actually burst the upper-growing buds on the fi- on the root systems, creating fine root hairs. And then what, what's, what's cool about that is, yeah, sure, we can create a fine root hair, but unless that tree can sustain that root hair, it's going to slough off and die. But because we can redirect energy in the tree, because if the plant is not using that energy to grow, the, the energy is returning into the plant in the, in the, store, the forms of stored starches and carbohydrates, which then allows that root system con- to continue to develop. So you can actually turn a, a plant in a really tough situation into a very hardy one. Very good, Mark. Well, it's just been a pleasure talking to you about a topic that at times I think has been misunderstood, but as I said earlier, it needs to be uh, a tool that arborists should consider. And it is just a tool, but it's a a fantastic tool. But when it's used wisely and and it's used in conjunction with our other tools, it is absolutely fantastic. Well, we've been speaking to Mark Mann. He's the CEO and founder of Plant Growth Management Systems, a company that's pioneered the use of true growth regulators since 1999.